Representation truly matters. And in this episode, we're going to discuss what this means to Latinos and the financial planning industry. That is coming up next. Need a judgment-free zone when it comes to your financial life? Bienvenida to the Her Dinero Matters podcast, a bilingual podcast for today's Latina who typically thinks English but feels her Latina culture through and through. I am your host, Jen Hempel, and each week we have down-to-earth money conversations from people in La Comunidad Latina that will leave you with more confidence and inspiration to help you take control of your money. Lista? Let's do it. Hola, Reina. Hi, Queen. How is it going? This is Jen Hempel, your host. Now, today's episode is a little different. I have had multiple questions in regards to becoming a financial planner. As you know, I am not one. So I brought a guest who is a financial planner who will tell you exactly what it takes. And I thought it was important to bring him on because representation truly matters. Let me share with you about today's guest. His name is Joe Bautista, and he is the founder of Grow With Joe, a financial services company that combines financial planning with self-development coaching. He is the son of an immigrant from Oaxaca, Mexico. He is also a Marines Corps veteran, a former White House intern, and a published author of the book, More You Know, More You Grow. He is passionate about getting more Latinos into financial planning. In today's episode, you're going to learn the decision he made when he learned about his parents' bankruptcy, as well as the stats of Latino financial planners versus the Latino population in the U.S., as well as what it really takes to become a financial planner and his best tips for anyone considering a career as a financial planner. Lista? You ready? Let's go meet Joe. Bienvenido, Joe, to Her Dinero Matters. I'm excited to have you here. Thanks for having me, Jen. I appreciate it. I've been listening to your podcast for a while. It's pretty good. You got a Thank lot of tips. You. Well, I think you are uh, making history in the Her Money Matters and now Her Dinero Matters podcast because I believe you are the first Latino male on the podcast. I've had males, but I think you're officially the first Latino male on the Herdy Neto Miners podcast. Oh, pretty, feels well, pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> feels pretty good. Thank you. <laughs> I was just thinking about that. Well, I'm excited to have you here. You reached out to me recently. You're a financial planner and you have a big mission that you're working on. And I wanted to talk about that. But first, I wanted to get to know you and your money story. How did you grow up around money? What did you see? What did you hear? All the good stuff. Tell us. Thank you, Jen. My name is Joe Bautista. I'm the founder of Grow With Joe, where I combine financial planning with self-development coaching. Um, I'm originally from Oregon. Uh, my dad is an immigrant from Oaxaca, Mexico. He met my mom in a bar in Oregon. And so like money growing up was like, both my parents were blue collar workers. So my dad worked in a plant nursery, digging up trees. That's some hard, hard work. Worked really hard to support me and my sisters and my mom. Uh, my mom was basically a cashier. One thing that I really appreciate that my, what my parents did is they made sure that I went to a really good school. And if you don't know about like Oregon is pretty, 
uh, not diverse in terms of like Latinos and everything. So going to elementary school all the way through high school, there was not many other Latinos in my classes. I think only I had one Latino friend growing up. His name was Oscar. So that's all the experience I got being with Latinos. But uh, like since my parents were blue collar workers, like uh, I understood that that money could be tight. But my parents always try to give me great opportunities to to succeed in life, making sure I went to like certain taking sport classes. Like if I needed something for school, they would do it. But uh, like for a lot of folks, uh, like for a lot of parents, they could like stretch them thin. And what I noticed as growing up is like, hey, where I'm at right now is not where I want to be in, in the future. Because like me, I was in a pretty unique situation when it comes to going to school. Because you had kids from like trailer parks and kids from like mansions going to the same school. So when I'm like in my calculus class in high school, it's like, oh, wow, I'm at the same level at these kids. But in terms of like financially, I'm like, oh, uh, you could see the difference growing up. And I realized like, hey, I need um, an education to, to help me take my life to the next level. And my parents did a really great job in getting me through high school and like one of the things that really caused me to start focusing on money is basically when I was a junior in high school, my parents had to declare bankruptcy. And what happened after that moment is like, okay, what do I have to do to start taking control of my money? And thankfully, at my high school, we took a personal finance class and you learned about stocks and bonds and everything. And I was like, okay, this is what I have to do to help me get the financial future that I want. And so that's why I started like reading like Kiplinger magazine, CNN, uh, money, and just like reading a lot of personal finance books and everything. And basically, like since I knew I needed an education to help me get that financial future that I wanted, I thought I was going to be like an accountant or something because I was always good with math and everything. So I was like, okay, I'll let me become an accountant because when you're in high school, you don't really know what's out there and what's available to you as a job. So you're like, okay, let me just do that. And then, but also I thought I was going to become a physical therapist because uh, when I was in high school, my senior year, I tore my ACL and I really enjoyed that process. And one of the things that I'm always passionate about is also physical fitness because like as a kid, I was overweight. So like right now I'm 6'3", 200 pounds, but like in the sixth grade, I was five, six, like 190. So like big difference in terms of like uh, body composition. And so I was like, okay, I, I like health. I like personal finances. So which one do I choose? And since my parents didn't save up for college, just like a lot of other parents, uh, I got accepted into Gonzaga University and University of Oregon. And once I saw the tuition for both schools, I think University of Oregon was like $15,000 a year. Gonzaga was like $32,000 a year as a private school. And I was like, nah, I don't feel like taking on this amount of student loan debt. And that's why I decided to go in the, the Marine Corps to help pay for my education. So I don't know, I'm very good at planning. So I, like, I set a goal and then I come up with steps that help me obtain that goal. And so yeah, no, I love that. I love that you're good at planning. I love what, how your parents set you up. And I was curious because really, the point in your life where there was that shift or where that there was that aha moment where you decided I need to pay attention to money was when your parents declared bankruptcy. Mm -hmm. And then you also mentioned that your parents were good at making sure that you had the best, you know, in terms of education and all that. 
did they have any conversations with you around money? Oh, well, in terms of conversations around money, there was nothing really like, hey, this is what you got to do with your money, like invest it in like an IRA or put it into the market or type of things. And you got to understand that, like when I grew up in the, the, like I was born in 86. And so I pretty much grew up in the 90s. And the technology today in 2019 is so much different than it was in the 90s in terms of how to open up accounts and the internet and everything. So I think that's one really good positive about people being born today is in terms of opening up an investment account, you don't need $1,000 anymore. You can start it with like $25 or $50 a month and you can just open it up over the, the internet. Like I remember hearing stories like in order to have a portfolio of investments in the 80s or 70s, to make one transaction, you needed it cost you $100. So those transaction costs have been dramatically reduced. So I think that's what hinders a lot of folks back in the 90s and 80s. Like the technology wasn't there. You actually had to go into a branch and actually sit down with somebody and open up an account. So like the landscape today is a lot better in terms of like getting access, but they're also like people don't know what they don't know. So they assume that you need this amount of money to get started. But I like to tell folks, you don't have to be great to get started. You just have to get started to become great. And so my parents is like, hey, you put money into a money market account and everything. And that's what I did or like a CD. And that's what most folks tend to know is money market account or a CD, but those don't give you the best interest rates to help you grow your money for your retirement goals. So they just basically said, hey, uh, put money in a savings account type of thing. I was always interested about like trying to grow my savings account, but I also wanted to buy things as well. So like I would take stuff from there. And so in terms of like actually growing your money, th- there was not a conversation around that. But like you got to understand, like I understand like, okay, like I think one thing my my mom taught me is like, hey, when you get the bill, you pay more than the bill because you're going to pay it down faster if you have to use credit and everything. So I always keep that in my mind. And I heard a stat, like most people just pay the the minimum because that's just what they says you could do. But like, if you tell them, oh, you could contribute more, then they can pay it down faster and you say more on interest and everything. So I heard recently and I was like, what, who is telling you this? I was uh, doing a workshop and it actually was for a, a Latino group and what they were told to build their credit and they were following this to the T was to pay the credit card, the, just the minimum, like just the minimum. I'm like, well, if pay more. It's still going to build your credit. Yeah. But that was the information that they were given. Just pay And granted. Yeah. Paying the minimum will help you with your credit, but it doesn't help you in terms of <laughs> your debt whatsoever. So that that's interesting. And I'm wondering, so your parents basically essentially taught you the basics, which is a great start. They give you the foundation to save, basically, and then what to look out for. And I'm wondering now, when was it, and you were at one point, you were thinking, I want to go into finance, or do I want to go into health, right, or or the physical Mm -hmm. therapy? Mm -hmm. What made you decide to become a financial planner? Well, I didn't really understand that financial planning was a career until like five years ago. That was nowhere on my radar. but. 
I thought I was going to go into physical therapy, but then I sucked at chemistry. I got like C's and everything. And then I was like, nah, this is not fun because I also hurt my back and went to physical therapy and I went through it a second time around. It's like, this is not what I want to do in terms of like the business practice from what I saw. And so after the Marines, I got a, I went to Portland State, got a degree in public health. And then from there, I moved to Washington, D.C. for in 2012. This was during the Great Recession still. So unemployment was still high. Couldn't really find a job in public health because I got the public health degree with the idea that I was going to go into healthcare management. So I kind of switched from career to career a lot. But then because of my military status, I was able to get a job at the Pentagon as a office manager. I didn't like that at all because I do not deal well with bureaucracy. I really like being creative, have control over my day. I don't like it when people tell me no. I rather tell me how I can do it or how can we make this work so we're all better off. And then my first time dealing with with Latinos was in the military. So I was like, that's when I met people from like Florida, like Puerto Rico, Dominicans, like everywhere from Texas. And you just really got to see that diversity of how everybody is. And then once I moved to DC, I still got connected with the Latino community there is pretty tight over there in terms of like how they help each other out and everything. And I would ask my my friends like, hey, what are you doing with your TSP? Because a lot of them are federal employees and they have their TSP and they changed it recently. But before, I think it was in 2016, uh, you automatically got put into the G fund, which is the gov- government bond fund, which is not really good for you as a 20 and 30 year old because you're not going to get the growth opportunities by investing the other funds. And you could literally be missing out on hundreds of thousands of dollars just by, but you don't know what you don't know. And so I was like, oh, you should do this with your TSP. And then that happened a lot. I was like, oh, maybe I can become like a financial planner or something. And then I just started looking more into it. And then I decided to quit my job at the Pentagon to go back to school at the University of District of Columbia to study economics just to get like a better sense of how markets work. And then I also took a uh, financial planning prep course at George Mason just to give me more of the, the basics. It's, I didn't realize there's more than investments. There's tax planning, there's insurance planning, there's financial planning, estate planning, retirement planning. And so you go through that whole gauntlet of, of courses to really understand like everything you need to know to keep your money, grow your money, and got to earn your money, keep your money and grow your money. Those are the three things you got to do with your money. And taking that CFP uh, course really helped me understand those three lessons on how to do all three. Love it. So around that time was when you decided this is what I want to do. You wanted mm-hmm. to become a financial planner. So mm-hmm. what did it take? It sounds like you set your, yourself up for success because you were you said you were studying economics or? Yeah, yeah economics. Economics. So what does it take to become a financial planner? I know it's rigorous. Mm-hmm. I know it's not for me. Yeah. <laughs> so tell us, what does it take? So to become a financial planner, basically what you could do is just go through one of those major firms like Morgan Stanley, Merrill Lynch, uh, Mass Mutual, Prudential. And there's a bunch of different types of financial planners. I just went to those because that's all I knew. And they have different systems and everything. But basically, if you get signed on by a company, uh, you go through their training program. And in order to become a financial planner, you have to get your Series 6 or Series 7. Series 6, they typically 
don't do the Series 6 anymore. You typically get the Series 7. So that gives you the ability to sell securities like stocks, options, and all those mutual funds, ETFs, and everything um, if you want to actually sell those. Then if you want to actually charge investment fee for investment advice, then that's what you need is the Series 65. So to get the Series 7, you have to be sponsored by a company to do so. Series 65, you do not have to. I'm not sure what the cost was because my old company paid for that for myself. And so like to pass each exam, it takes about like 120 to 150 hours of study time to, to pass the exam. And you need a minimum of 72 to pass, I believe. Wow. It's a lot. I know yeah. people who have gone through it and passed it first time. I have known people that have gone through this program uh, and have not passed it a couple times. Mm-hmm. And of course, you are only given a certain number of tries, those type of things. So what would you say, as rigorous as it is, what would you say was your biggest challenge? Uh, the biggest challenge is going out and actually finding clients. That's the hard part. The easy part is the passing the exams in terms of the big picture. Yeah, it could be challenging to pass those. But basically, when you go to these companies, you're trying to build your book of business. So you're trying to go out there and help folks. And so there's three different paths you could take. You could be just a broker. So you sell uh, financial Before we jump into today's content, keep your ears peeled for a unique reveal I'll be sharing midway through the show. It's something special just for you. Products like an IRA or investments and different types of things. You also could sell insurance, disability, uh, long-term care, life insurance. You can sell an annuity. And that's how you build your book of business right there. Those tend to be like one-time payments. So basically, you have to go out there and generate a lot of business. Um, the other way is this is the path that I want to take, or this is the path I am taking with Grow with Joe is fee for service. So this is what you need the the Series sixty five for. So if you want to charge investment a fee for investment advice, you need to have your Series sixty five. And there's all these different regulations in terms of how you can promote yourself, and like you have to keep detailed compliance notes. Basically, this is the recommendation I gave, and this is why I'm giving it, and it's like in the best interest of the client. Or you could do a a hybrid approach where you can sell the financial products and you could charge financial planning fee. I would recommend that you find somebody to work underneath because there's a lot of things to understand in terms of just the financial planning and just also just dealing with, with clients. So money is a very sensitive subject for a lot of folks. Some people are really embarrassed to talk about what they have done and everything. And I just tell people like, hey, don't worry about it. Whatever in the past, we're not focused on that. What we're trying to do is what are the steps that we could take today to help you get a brighter future? So you mentioned to find somebody to work underneath. Mm-hmm. So let's say I'm looking and I've already established that I'm not. Uh-huh. But let's say someone is looking to just exploring the opportunity to become a financial planner. They haven't started the rigorous study or the training. They're just wanting to see if it's a good fit for them. So what kind of, uh, when you say work from uh, with somebody just to like as a mentor uh, mm-hmm. who you can get guidance from, so you know, what kind of jobs would that be or what kind of roles? Because it is in the financial planning. So are you maybe going to need some sort of training in order to even be able to do that? What does that look like? Well, if you want to become a para planner for somebody, uh, that's where you basically just 
take, collect all the financial information and put it into the financial planning software. And then from there, you, you could build the report for the actual financial advisor. They could review it and everything. So you can work as a pair planner underneath somebody else. I would say a good first step is just to reach out to folks and to see, okay, can I shadow you and to see how your day is and how you operate and but let me sit in a client meeting and just see how you interact with the folks. So just reaching out to folks and just get an idea of what it takes to become a financial planner. That's a good tip. And what would you say? So you've mentioned you can become a paraplanner, you can shadow someone, you've talked about the different paths. So what would you say would maybe be your top three tips uh, in with your the experience that you've had that you would give to someone who is looking to become a financial planner? Well, you can become a financial planner by just taking your CFP exam. I took a uh, CFP uh, prep course at George Mason. You go through that course. It took me 12 months to pass that. You go through all the different modules and everything, financial planning, insurance planning, tax planning, investment planning, estate planning, retirement planning. And then you pass your CFP exam, and then that makes you very marketable. And then if you do that path, then you could just basically work as a, as a planner. You work behind the scenes. You don't see clients. You just build the plans for the financial advisor, financial planner that's actually seeing the clients. You could do that path as well. Or, the, or you just ask like, hey, I want to become a paraplanner. Just let me do all the work and they could train you up and that can work out as well. But if you want to make more money by seeing, sitting in front of clients and everything, then I would recommend that you really get good at marketing yourself. So knowing how to uh, generate clients and generate leads, because it's basically you're starting your own business. So if you're a plumber, if you're an electrician, if you're a doctor, dentist, you're going to have the same problem. You need to bring clients in to help generate revenue for the business. So there's this really good, I think I heard it's called the Coleman study. So it talks about the success for what causes people to become successful in their businesses. And it says that when it comes to being successful in your business, 20% is your technical skills, 40% is your branding, and 40% is your marketing. So if you're a business owner, you should spend 40% of your time on marketing, 40% on branding, 20% on the technical stuff. Don't play office. Don't try to like do too much. You, you kind of just want to get that just in time information instead of just in case information because you could study too much and you're never going to, you might not ever use that for a long time. So you're going to get much more benefit from going actually sitting down in front of clients saying, oh, hey, this is how they reacted when I asked that question and just helps you become a better financial buyer, just the more reps you get in. So you have to be good at generating leads. Right, right. Awesome. And then one of your big mission is to get more Latinos into the financial planning mm -hmm. industry. So besides the Latinos being underrepresented, why is this important to you? Why are you wanting to do this? Well, so the big reason I want to get more, more Latinos into financial planning is because within the financial planning realm, uh, we make up less than 2% of financial planners, but we make up, was it roughly 19% of the population? So there's a huge need to help that Latino population. And I kind of want to prevent the situation of that sandwich generation where, where we have uh, Latinos in their 20s, 30s, and 40s, where they have to worry about taking care of their parents and taking care of their kids. And so by providing them with the resources and a financial plan to say, okay, you could do this. This is what you need to do to help you become more financially secure. I don't 
want to see people hit 65 years old and be like, shoot, what did I do? And uh, that's a big reason why I started my own firm because with the XY Financial Planning Network, because they give me the technology stack and the resources to actually help with targeting 20, 30, and 40 uh, year olds that are Latinos. Because if you go with like Morgan Stanley, uh, just for example, like basically you need a assets to manage. And that might be 250000 500000 before someone actually sits with you. And so in terms of finding that many people, I believe, was it like less than 15% of the population actually has that $500,000 in assets to actually manage. And so the XY Financial Planning uh, Network is really good at establishing a uh, subscription model. So people pay a monthly fee to access a financial planner just using their cash flow to help them get that information to help them with their financial plan. Awesome. Awesome. Well, that's good to know. Now we're wrapping it up and um, this has been great. And I want to start now the Cheeseman Express with just, just gossip in a positive, fun, lighthearted way. So I have some just five random questions. Mm -hmm. I haven't told you what they are. And so the first one is, you're a guest on this podcast. I'm an Air Force spouse. Mm-hmm. You chose the Marines. Mm-hmm. Why? So my two best friends in high school joined the Marines. And the best way to get someone in the Marines is to have your friend refer into the Marines. So I wanted to join the Air Force, but the Air Force recruiter didn't want to see me. But the Marine Corps recruiter saw me right away. He's like, I called him at like two. And he's like, oh, you can see me at four. So you so, wanted to join the Air Force. That's, that's a good one. That's, mm-hmm. that's- well, I didn't really even understand. I didn't really realize that the Marines was an option. I thought it was just Army, Navy, and Air Force. I didn't really realize the Marines was an actual branch until my friend introduced me to them. And I'm glad I joined the Marines. I got a lot, of, a lot of discipline, a lot of good experiences. One of the best things I learned from being a Marine is the ability to be miserable because you can like be in the field for a week, not shower, it's raining, it's dirty and everything, and you just deal with it. And so anytime I have something difficult to go through right now, I'm like, okay, it's not as bad as being like seven months in Iraq or dealing with boot camp anymore. And just like, I'll just push through this and I'll be good to go. I hear you. Well, for those of you listening, the reason I ask, and if you're not too familiar with the military, we, in each branch, we give each other a hard time for being on the other branch. So I was trying to give him a hard time, but I was thought, you know, he's also a guest. So I do have to you know, treat him with kindness. Yeah. <laughs> so thanks for sharing that. Yeah. I, I don't think I could hear much from an Air Force person, like in terms of like how hard it is. I don't know. We Marines are the, the best branch out there. We train <laughs> well, the hardest. We're the first to fight. Well, the most well, disciplined. Well, We'll leave that at that since okay. like I said, you're the guest. And right. <laughs> so what is your current photo displayed on your cell phone? It is a picture of a beach. Just the ah. standard one on Samsung. I just got it. <laughs> so not even your own photo. Not nope. one minute. Okay. Uh, the best part about being Latino is? Uh, I like the food and the music the best. Okay. Uh, and- tacos and tortas. And then I really like reggaeton and... Okay. And Latino trap. I haven't listened too much to Latino trap recently, but okay. It's Fair a great, great playlist on Spotify. Go check it out. I'll check it out. Best place that you've traveled to. Uh, I recently just went to Medellin for the first time in February. And, and it was amazing. Awesome. It, 
So one of the reasons why I like what I'm like about Grow With Joe is a virtual financial planning business. So I can run my business from anywhere. So I just uh, I use Zoom for my video conferencing and everything. And everyone uploads their documents through Dropbox. And I just share my screen with the financial. So my goal is to move to uh, Colombia come January for two years so I can go learn Spanish while I'm running this business. And then I'm also doing an MBA at Syracuse as well. So wow. I'm going to do that from Colombia. So like go work during the day and then learn Spanish in the evening for two years. Like I was there for a week and my Spanish improved tremendously. So awesome. I did say, you know, about 35%, 30, 35%. And my Spanish improved tremendously just by being immersed over there. And people it. said that Colombians have the best Spanish. Yes. I was just going to say Colombia has the best Spanish. So that's the best place to learn. Of course, I'm biased. Yeah. I'm from yeah. there. but Well, that's what everyone said in D.C., the Puerto Ricans, the Mexicans. It's like Colombians have the best Spanish. It's the most professional. Like mm -hmm. I, someone said, instead of like, oh, I work with Jen, this, they say this is my colleague Jen type of situation. So Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. I haven't been, that's one place that I haven't been to, Medellin. Well, there's a lot of places in Colombia that I still have to, but it's supposed to be super beautiful. And actually, I'll have to connect you offline, uh, another financial planner that has been over there, kind of doing what you're wanting to do. I don't know if she's wanting to learn Spanish, but she's just kind of living abroad for who knows how long. So I'll have to connect you with her. Yeah, thank Last you. question. Your breakfast this morning. Breakfast this morning was a uh, breakfast sandwich. Okay. It was uh, a bacon or uh, it was a biscuit, egg, and cheese and sausage. Okay. Awesome. Well, Joe, this has been fantastic. Thanks for being here. Thanks for sharing all the goodness that you shared today uh, about becoming a financial planner, about your mission, about you, and then just the five random things that we learned about you. Well, <laughs> so I was I not expecting those. Well, yeah, thanks for having me on, Jen. I appreciate it. Keep up the good work and I'll keep on following you. Oh, thank you. So what did you think about this chat? I really appreciate people his age or <clears throat> younger <laughs> people like him that are really driven and really determined to make a difference. So I really hope that you got something out of it. Even if you're not looking into a financial planning career, but if you are, I hope you paid a lot of attention. You can connect with Joe further over at growwithjoe.me and that link will be in today's show notes. Now, one thing I didn't ask him because I'm still getting used to the new format of the show is I didn't ask him a question about this month's theme of frugality. So I asked him post the interview, what has been the biggest frugal action that he has taken, which he is proud of? And his answer was that his best frugal action that he's proud of was the choice to move back in with his parents. That way he could start his virtual financial planning business. His parents are super supportive and this action has allowed him to put more time into growing his business instead of getting a job and trying to grow the business on the side. So he decided to take this full plunge into entrepreneurship. He's completed two drafts of upcoming books. That is amazing. He started a podcast and he started other things because he didn't have to worry about his living expenses 
as much. So I thought that was a different take on frugality, which I absolutely loved. So let's move on to the reina of the week. And this week's reina is Brenda for achieving her savings goal for her upcoming trip to Costa Rica. Congratulations, Brenda. If you want to nominate someone who you should feel that needs to be recognized, submit your nomination over at jenhemphill.com forward slash reina of the week. That link will also be in today's show notes. This mujer, this woman can be anybody and doesn't have to be someone who is currently listening to this podcast. It can be just someone that has inspired you, that is doing great things, that is really working hard and seeing progress. So definitely nominate that woman who you feel should receive some recognition. In terms of the pregunta of the week, today's pregunta of the week is the what percentage of Latinos are financial planners versus what does that Latino population look like in the U.S.? So go ahead and go over to the HerDineroMattersHub.com to answer your question in your free account. If for some reason you don't have a free account, you can simply go to JenHempill.com forward slash win and you can sign up from there. Remember, if you answer these four questions for this month's theme of frugality, you can snag a freebie, which this month it's a checklist on what you need to do to make frugal work for you, plus a spreadsheet to help you keep track of those savings. So don't miss out and answer all the four questions. Next week on the podcast, we are going to be meeting our next Reina crew of Crystal Edith and Carmen, where we have this fabulous discussion all about frugality. So don't miss it. That is a wrap for today. I want to thank Joe for joining us, for sharing his story, for sharing all the tips about financial planning. You can learn more about him over at jenhemphill.com forward slash 183. Also, don't forget, if you love this episode or this podcast, it would mean the absolute world to me if you shared it with a friend, family member, co-worker, or even a stranger. Nunca se sabe. You never know when someone is in pain in their financial life. Just the sheer sharing of this podcast or this particular episode may be the push or inspiration they need to move forward. Until then, stay consistent on those money actions and habits so you can not only be the reign of your money, but love your dinero more. You've got this. I believe in you. Tú puedes. Nos hablaremos el próximo jueves. I'll talk to you next Thursday. Ciao.